Welcome to the Curious Body Podcast, brought to you by the Pilates Foundation. The Pilates Foundation is a not-for-profit organisation that supports and promotes our community of innovative and passionate teachers. Our teacher training programmes nurture new teachers, we provide ongoing learning opportunities and are committed to promoting the benefits of Pilates to all. We're here to talk all things related to the moving body with our teachers and therapeutic colleagues and share our love for our community. If you'd like to hear more about the Pilates Foundation and our upcoming events, visit www.pilatesfoundation.com or find us on social media by searching Pilates Foundation. So hello and welcome to the Curious Body podcast. My name is Natasha Alp and I am joined today by Maya Fesher expertise and extraordinaire Gary Carter. He is founder of an organization called Natural Bodies and we are here to talk about his myofascial movement and anatomy trainings for movement professionals. So welcome. Thank you, Gary, for your time. I know you're busy. Thank you. Um, Thank you for having me. Take me back, take me back, Gary, to you as a child and how did your fascination with the body start? Oh, blimey, um, that's interesting. Well, that, that threw me completely. Um, well, I've always, it's interesting. I saw some um, very old cine film of uh, me as a child growing up and my father um, has always been an athlete. Um, and I used to go with him to his running track and his running club. And we found some really old cine film footage of me on his starting blocks. And I must have only been about this big and, you know, stumbling off them and falling onto the ground and then running around this old cinder running track barefoot when I was, you know, a young kid, just loving the feeling of it. And I, I think, you know, from that young age, the, the pursuit of sort of exercise training, the physique and all that kind of stuff has always been part of me really I think mm. how would you um so what was your journey to where you are now like, like how did you come to to set up your 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 anatomy courses and your 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 love of wanting to share to other professionals your knowledge of the body yeah, so um, so when I you know when I was young, I, I got involved in various sports and athletics and uh, martial arts and so on. And then um, I, I got bitten by the cycling bug, so I, I became a, a competition cyclist and was going very strongly down that route towards potential professional cycling. Um, a really nasty accident put an end to that. Um, but we had a really interesting coach at the time that was teaching us about elasticity in the body and movement on a bike. And we were we were teenagers and sort of mid teenagers at that time. And um, he was talking about the elasticity of the spine and how it needs to maintain this kind of elastic quality on the bike. And um, so any any sort of stretching type work was always known as elasticity training. And that that stayed with me, you know, all the way through other disciplines that I got involved in. So after I, um, after I was no longer able to ride for a while and my team kind of progressed on and I was a year off cycling and, you know, trying to catch up at that time in the expense of building a new bike because my bike got destroyed in a bad crash. And uh, 
I, I started lifting weights. My father got me lifting weights and that became something that I became interested in as well. And he had always done that too when he was younger. And um, I found that, you know, on, on, a, on the spot, I could actually get myself in a good level of condition without having to be on a bike anymore or, or, or run because that was a bit limited at that time. Um, and that I just started to see changes in my body that I didn't really realize was possible. And then a friend gave me a book called Education of a Bodybuilder. And it was written by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it was when um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was about 25 and he had just retired from being one of the greatest bodybuilders in the world at 25. And the book was fascinating because it was it really showed me that whatever age you are, as you keep progressing, you can keep adapting and changing and improving the body. And I, I just thought, actually, that's a really interesting notion. And I'm, I'm seeing changes already. So why don't I just keep kind of working with this? And, you know, I, I maintain training that way and years and years of it in a, a gym in North London. I was also a graphic designer at that time. Um, and it was uh, using scalpels and, you know, everything by hand. There was no computers then. It makes me sound old, doesn't it? Um, and uh, we did 3D model making as well. So I, I, I was always able to see things in 3D. So when it came to bodybuilding and, and getting or working down that particular route in training, I could see how the body was moving in 3D. And especially when I was, was training alongside bodybuilders, because the gym had a kind of an underground part to it, which was where all the, the hardcore bodybuilders went. You know, it was like the dark, dingy gym and you had to earn your stripes to get down there. Um, but when I was watching the guys training, because they were in really good condition, ready for shows and stuff like that, every time they were say, you know, simply, but if they were doing bicep curls, you could see every fiber of the calves responding to the movement of the arms. And then I thought, oh, you know, this, this is really whole body. You know, the whole body is involved in everything, even though they talk about isolation. It's not that you, these guys knew you can't isolate, but they just, they were bringing more focus to an area whilst using other areas to sort of maintain stability and so on. And I could see it all happening in 3D and it was like watching a moving anatomy map. So that really helped me to get a sense of the feel of that. Anyway, go on. No, I was just going to say it sort of is quite mind blowing too. Because when I think of fascia and the moving body, I don't think of a bodybuilder. So to hear you talk and your experiences is just is fascinating. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was really, really mind blowing. And anyway, so I went through my graphics life and then I eventually uh, I had moved to Brighton at that time and I would met a, a guy that was a uh, bodybuilder, ex-bodybuilder from his professional years and had screwed himself up on steroids basically and it was just a chance meeting and when we got chatting he said to me listen if you want to start to get into condition you're you you're actually closer to competition shape than you think but don't ever think you're going to become a you know a big world famous bodybuilder because your, your body type is just not that and I never wanted to go down the steroid route I was always interested in the natural process of training and no drugs and um anyway he trained me this one session in brighton and i'll never forget it probably till the day i die because he took my mind into a sensation in training that i had never experienced before in all my life of training i'd only ever read about it and it, it was the way he talked me through it and we worked with meditation techniques to get there 
And I just thought, if this is the experience I got just from that one session, what would it be like if this guy coached me and we went through the process? And why don't I give it a go? You know, I, I would like to at least say once or twice in my life, I did a bodybuilding competition and went through the process to understand what happens. And that's exactly what we did. And <clears throat> it literally changed my life because I realized halfway through that process of that training at that level, what I wanted to do with my life. And I knew I could pass that information on to other people without making them bodybuilders, but use the techniques. And he was talking, interestingly, he was talking about how the spine needs to be adaptive and elastic within the training. And I just thought, hang on a second, I've heard that before somewhere. So I ended up walking out of my job. I was a director of a graphics company and I walked away from it because I knew what I wanted to do. But then I, I left that. I had a, you know, I had a, a good salary, but a debt because I was working in a company. That's how we kind of ran our lives and had a company car. Then I walked out with nothing. I had a mortgage, but I let, let all that go. And I remember waking up the following morning thinking, what the hell have I done? But at the same time, I was so excited that my life was about to start in a very different way. And this was about 1989, 1990. And at that time, I've met a girl who became my partner at the time, um, who was studying with Alan Herdman. And she was going through her apprenticeship because no one knew what this word Pilates was. You know, people used to misspell it, as we've heard before, pilates and all that kind of stuff. Um, and she set up one of the first tiny little studios in Brighton from an apartment down here. And I was her guinea pig going through her years of apprenticeship because there was no teacher trainings. It was just apprenticeships. And I went up there to meet Alan once and he was selling off some of his equipment. So I bought her his secondhand equipment so she could have that original old scaffold pole type equipment um, in her flat. So anyway, she ended up training with me, funnily enough. And then we went. Did you see your body change via the like having Pilates? Um, I'm going to say no to that for the moment, because um, the, the thing that she was interested in is that the methodologies that we were using in the training, she said, you'd be interested in the work I'm doing because the dynamics and how you use the mind and the connection to the body was no different. It's just yeah. that we were doing it on different equipment to different yeah. ends. That was it. Um, but I was fascinated by the process, but I knew that at that moment in time, most of my focus was zeroed in on what I was doing. So I was primarily primarily her guinea pig only. Um, yeah. And, and, and I guess that's the beauty of your trainings or your, you know, your movement anatomy courses that it's for physio, you know, phys physical therapists, massage therapists, Pilates teachers, yoga teachers, you know, Garokanisa, you know, like it all. Yeah, yeah. We're all one massive community, even though maybe the ideologies are slightly different, but yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, Bruce Lee said the only way we're going to learn to new, um, move the body differently is if we develop a new limb. Because there's all the systems, everything's covered. You know, there's all of the methods of movement. There's so many of them. There's so many modalities, but it's the same body all the time. You know, one spine, two arms, two legs, head. It's, that's it you know so but anyway I guess, yeah with, with, I guess different ways of thinking about it because I was just coming I was just doing a little bit of reading and um I was sort of dipping into the living wetsuit by Sue Adstrom don't know if you've come across it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she mentions the idea of um biotensegrity 
but then with the biomechanical model and how things have how things have changed. So it says here, the biochemical model with its focus on local cause and effect has regularly been used by doctors, physiotherapists and sports trainers to help with their management of musculoskeletal body problems. This model's concepts have also played a central role in the development of many medical devices, such as artificial limbs, prosthetic hip and knee joints, replacements, stents. In contrast, the biotensegrity model is still fairly new and has yet to be widely applied in the medical world. Despite this, it has already revealed its potential to greatly improve our understanding of our body's architecture and movement mechanisms. Yeah. You know, the, this whole tensegrity and, and the, the body as a whole and the web and, you know, fascia and how it just, you know, the changes in thinking of the body yeah, yeah I mean, it's, I, this is where, you know, I, I feel quite blessed in the fact that these people that I met in my earlier times of trainings and different uh, at different times, but they had the same mindset and the whole thing was a whole body approach. So the tensional relationships was something that they, they kind of understood without putting a name to it. So that that became a felt sense for the body. So <clears throat> it was strange to see that, you know, people would start training locally and and talk in terms of levers and systems in that way. When we grow up not knowing that, we grow up not understanding the body as a, a pliable whole that had these regions in it that you could focus on, bring your attention to it, but it then had to balance with everything else because the beauty of, again, going back to the bodybuilding model for the guys that were going through that level of physical culture in, in the sort of the late 60s, 70s, up to the early 80s, and then after that it changed they were constantly looking at balance. And if they were training to say, bring up the size and the shape of the shoulders, they had to match and balance with the waist and the thighs and the knees and the ankles. And every time they shaped it, it was like sculpting to get the balance right all the time. Nowadays, unfortunately what's happened, everyone just got bigger and bigger and bigger and they just slammed the muscle all over the body. And then all of a sudden you saw that aesthetics had gone and everyone ended up looking the same. So if you had silhouettes of all of those bodybuilders today, you couldn't tell who they were. Mm. But a long time ago, the silhouette was their signature. You understood their body. It was their shape, their personal shape, because they developed it based on their genetics and they followed it that way. So all of them could move well. They could do handstands. They could do, like some could go into splits. They could do physical work. But nowadays that doesn't happen, you know, and that was really that, you know, to me, that was what the culture was about, but it just took a, you know, it took like a diversion. And I, this is where we kept away from it and just followed the natural bodybuilding route where, you know, the body is an adaptive medium that it's pliable. It can do all sorts of things and function in its environment. And, you know, well, from that's that, the key, isn't it? Cause that's, cause we're human. And that's, I guess, as a Pilates teacher, we're encouraging movement yeah on a very base level exactly and at that time um this this partner of mine girl she was called martine Oranger. she brought home a book from her teacher which was Anne-Marie um Zukahari. she was then Anne-Marie Hackett in those days and it was called Awakening the Spine by Vanda Scaravelli and the book had just come out because this was literally um sort of the early 90s I think and um, I, I, I thought it was a Pilates book. I kind of read through it. I thought, this is interesting. I didn't really read the front cover. And then a few years later, I was, um, I'd studied shiatsu 
because I also wanted to be a manual therapist as well, because I was interested in meridian systems that came up in my earlier years of martial arts and stuff. So they're all, everything was crossing over. And then I got into studying cranial sacral therapy as well, because the two qualities of touch have got a similarity to them. And I started going to some yoga classes in Brighton. And I was at this particular class where I was moving through my spine a certain way. And a lot been taught to roll through the spine. That process of rolling through the spine, I was taught through my cycling years in my teens as well. Um, and anyway, this one teacher came up to me after I was moving that way through the spine and not levering out of the spine. And she said, who have you been working with? Peter Blackaby, like that. And I said, Peter Blackaby, I've got no idea who he is. I don't know what you're talking about, but his name stuck in my head. Uh, and then I forgot about him. And about two months later, I was on an anatomy and posture day on my shatsu training. And the guy teaching it was Peter Blackaby, who was a yoga teacher trained um, in a particular method and then came across Vander's work, but was also training to be an osteopath. And he was taught by a guy called John Sturk. And John Sturk had been taught directly by Vander, but was also an osteopath and a cranial osteopath. So when I met Pete, all of a sudden, everything that he was talking about completely made sense to me. And then he mentioned the word Van der Scaravelli and this memory went off and I thought, I think I've got that book at home. I thought it was a Pilates book. And then I realized it wasn't. But the, the crossover of the methodologies between what I'd understood of the Pilates, how I'd been taught to train, and then the work we were doing with the yoga from Vander's perspective, they all crossed over. And it, it was quite remarkable. And from that, that route, I continued down that route of my own personal practice from the yoga, but still mixing in my training with people and bringing those elements of the yoga into the training. And it, it just blossomed from there. And it was John Sturt that really started talking about how the fluidity of fascia makes a big difference within the practice and that Vander's work was the closest thing that he had ever come to to understanding how fascia responds in the body. And our understanding was from a fluid base, from a fluid perspective, not from a fibrous perspective, because it's coming from the cranial edge. And through that, strangely enough, we, we had made contact with a rolfer who was in the UK, this is about 1996, and it was Tom Myers. And he was just coming up with this notion of something that he was calling the anatomy trains. And we got him down to Brighton to do a two hour talk. And he was just introducing one of the lines that he'd been working with. And it was the superficial backline. And when he presented it to our group, Pete and I looked at each other and we, we just thought, oh, that's interesting because we used to staple Dynabands to our clothing along the back of the body and express these movements by connecting with that feeling, but not assigning any anatomy to it. So when we went up to Tom and said, we know that place that you're moving through and that you're showing us. And he said, well, how did you get to figure that one out? And we showed him. And then I said, how did you get to figure it out? And he said, well, through dissection and through his rolfing teachings. And we then started to work together. And I ended up working with Tom for a good few years. And we, we introduced the first anatomy trains into the UK in Brighton for my studio um, in the late 90s. And it blossomed from there. After that, Tom and I, we went different directions. My studio was flourishing then and we were running all sorts of different trainings in movement. 
And then I started introducing more movement patterns to the notion of the anatomy trains. And yeah, we, we just took a, I took a leave of absence from that school and developed my own work. So it was a combination of all of that work put together and understanding it in how somebody moves. And I was working with dancers and contact improvisation people as well. But you know, that's it, sorry. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. I was just, I'm just really curious, the, um, that door opening into dissection and how do you say, cadaver? Um, cadaver, yeah. Cadaver. Yeah. Can you remember the first time? Yeah, I was, um, there was always an intrigue to go into that, into a lab situation, because once we understood how these tissues were arranged, I just thought, well, the only way I'm really going to get to know this is to actually get into a lab. But how, how do we get into a lab? You know, I'm, I've got the structure integration qualification and in the States that gets recognized, but in the UK, you couldn't get through doors with that. Um, you need to be a physio or medically trained or something. Um, and then Gil Headley was, was doing his work with his company, but with his co-partner, um, and him, him and his co-partner had just separated as business partners. So they'd gone out on their own. And his co-partner is Todd Garcia, who does all the dissections for Tom Myers. And Todd was running this course in Vienna at the Institute of Anatomy. And it was open to manual therapists and rolfers and structural integration practitioners. So me and one of my colleagues from um, just up the road from here, um, we booked on that and went to Vienna. This was 2004, I think. And um, I, I remember sitting outside the doors of this beauty, beautiful old Viennese building with big, you know, marble pillars and stuff and clutching my box of rubber gloves from my white coat, petrified, you know, wondering what the hell have I let myself in for? And within the first couple of hours, once you kind of get over that initial feeling for it, and you never go straight into dissection, there's an opening circle, there's a beautiful big bunch of colorful flowers in the middle of the lab. And we're talking about what we're, our concerns are, what we're interested in seeing. And the moment we got going, it was, it was quite incredible because all of a sudden, the thing that we kind of fear for a lot of people, not everyone, um, disappears because you realize you're working with structure and form. I know it's been a body, this has been a body, but what we start to realize is with that person has given the gift of their body to us to learn from and if we don't work with it to its fullest potential we're doing them a disservice and you know I had, I'd had a life of using scalpels in my graphics life so very quickly the scalpel just made sense to me and the first thing that I did though was to make a very clean anatomical version of the leg by just making it look like the anatomy book and I went to Todd and I was very proud. And he said, well, that's fine. It just shows me, you know, where the anatomy is. But now tell me something different. What's the story of the leg in reality? Because all you've done is cut it to make it look like a leg in the book. Let your hands do the work next. So of course with gloves on, once you get the initial layers away, then you start to let the tissues inform you as to how you unravel it. And my first plan in the lab, my design, I don't know if you can see just, where is it, there, mm -hmm. is a, there's a big anatomy chart there. So that's your usual anatomy chart that you see in anatomy books. And you always see it as an outside view, looking this way. And my question was, well, what would it look like if I was a bone 
and my landscape of the mus muscles from that side. So then I removed everything from the thigh bone and then laid them flat and looked on the inside surface and it's a completely different map. Then all of a sudden, by seeing that landscape, I've started to get a different sense as to how things are gonna move because the hamstrings don't look anything like the hamstrings when you look at them from the deep side. They gather differently yes. and they've got different gliding surfaces to the way it looks on the outside. Then I would start to go back to my hotel room and start creating movement patterns based on what it was that I saw. And then what came back to my mind was a lovely old saying from Manda Scaravelli is go with the body and not against it. And then all of a sudden, I realized that this landscape that's under the skin, if you follow it, you never run into problems. But if you go against it, it's where you see injuries. And then this is how the birth of the course came about, is to have people understand that inside landscape and the shape of it. And the shape of it is unique to the individual. It's not the same per person. And can they experience it that way? Because once they get that as a language, their teaching changes forever. And it's quite powerful. Yeah, profound. Yeah, it is. And it still is today. I mean, those people, those individuals that donated their body in those early days, they're still teaching today because that teaching comes through me. And I, I've done hundreds of dissections and that continues. And every single individual that I've learned from is new information to teach with. And so they're still educating. So your next course is in Leeds? Yes, that's right. Starting in October? That's right, um, October the 15th. We're, um, we're taking enrollments, as it were. So um, I ran a course up there before. It's a lovely studio at Chapel Allerton Studios with Claire Sparrow. And um, uh, I was there five years ago, and uh, it seemed to be well received up there. So they're hungry for a, another course up there. So it's, yeah, it's 10 weekends. It lasts about a year, so it's almost one weekend a month. Um, and there's uh, a lot of in-depth work. There's a lot of in-between in homeworks and practices. And then what we're now doing is um, a few sessions in-between online to kind of keep topping them up and moving them on. Um, so it's going to be a new way to start to explore the course. And plus the fact all the new dissection stuff that's coming up and all the new latest research, we, we keep bringing it into the course. So over the years, the course is constantly evolving and adapting. And becoming brand new and then we're bringing to it all of the new education we found from our plastination projects that we did in Germany because we found some really fascinating understandings in terms of how the structure is organized and what that means in movement now it's changed a lot of things and yeah I to make sense of it you know still trying to make sense of it so you're talking about Freya yes good old Freya Freya, Freya. <laughs> And what does Freya stand for? Um, well, it's an anagram. So it means fascia revealed, um, educating integrated anatomy. But uh, we named her Freya when we we're in the lab because that's a, usually when in our lab situations, we you name someone like Gil Headley's labs do that. The labs I've worked with, we do that because it's a form that we then relate to when we're working rather than just calling it the cadaver. Um, it's never a name really that is going to be used outside of that. It's never there. It's not their real name ever. Um, so that's what we did. We, we named her Freya when we met her. And um, the, the powers that be at Body Worlds, when I, I had to present her to Gunther von Hagen's wife, who's the CEO of Body Worlds, Dr. Angelina Wally. 
um, after six months of dissecting her and getting her into the right arrangement. And we were naming her Freya as we were talking. And she said, Freya, how, how did that come about? And we told her the story of what we do. And she said, I really like that, but body worlds don't name their pieces because it's you know, ethically, you've got to be careful. But she said, can we create an anagram of it? So the call went out to our team and our advisors, Gil Headley being one of them. And it was Gil that came up with that, that anagram and it's worked. So it's, you know, she's kept the name. <laughs> so to our listeners, Freya is spelled F-R colon E-I-A. Absolutely. So it's pronounced Freya, spelt a bit differently. Yeah. Um, so three years, it was a, a three-year project. And a three-year project, yeah. The, the whole Fascial Net Plastination project has been a five-year process from our very beginning stages to do small sections. Um, and then we displayed those at the 2018 um, World Fascia Congress in Berlin. Um, so me and my colleague, Rochelle Clawson, um, were the designers of that exhibition and, and created that exhibition. And because that exhibition went down so well with the proof of concept pieces, we then got the go ahead to do a full body because they realized that we were serious and we had a good team that knew what they were doing and understood the fascia. So that was November 2021, last, so last year. Um, so, no, we started Freya in 2019. And then um, you revealed her last year, or a part of her in November. That's right, yeah. So um, really the, the Congress that's coming up this coming week in yeah. Montreal should have been September 2021. But because of COVID, we've put it back. So the reveal that we did in Berlin would have happened after the big reveal in the Congress. So it's around the other way now. Right, I see. Yeah. And are you are you wanting to replicate Freya? What is there a is there a bigger? We don't know yet. I mean, she's um she's a, a an educational fascial focused anatomical model now. Um, she's got forty features in her um, that are all educational. That are, at least there's two hours of education per piece and in, in her. So I'll be taking groups to Berlin. Um, to do three days in Berlin where we do some movement work somewhere, day of anatomy, then a day around Freya. Um, and she'll be in Berlin, when she gets back from Montreal, she'll be in Berlin for five years. So I'll be running three trips a year there. And then also running two dissection courses down at the Plastinarium where we created that work, which is one of the best labs I've ever seen with a huge body worlds exhibit attached to it. Um, so it's an incredible. So the education and the learning is is kind of off the charts at that place. And how come you haven't written a book? I have to say I googled you, and the other Gary Carters in the world yeah. have written high um, hypophonic uh, hydroponics yeah. and baseball. Yeah. So um, I'm well. <laughs> I've written a chapter in a friend of mine's book called uh, Movement Integration, who's a, 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 a Swedish guy, Linus Johansson. Um, I've been writing over the last 10 years a book on myofascial slings. And um, of course that got put on hold because of the project. And then I presented my slings presentation to the Plastinarium, to people like Robert Schleip and various others and Carter Steco, so the top people within the fascia world, because we were we were offering up new findings at the end of the very at the very end of the project. 
and Robert came up to me afterwards and he said, I feel really guilty that you were leading this part of the project because this book really should be out there. He's going to write um, part of it for me as well. Um, so it is It is coming. It's coming, yeah. It's kind of, it's in an editing stage, but new information has gone into it. I've also been invited to write a book about sort of fascia movement and related to maybe the yoga, but we can put it into different things. So there's a, a few projects. We've just written the the brochure, which is a small book of Freya um, that's just been printed, but that's going to go with her. And Body Worlds eventually will be selling those at the Body Worlds in Berlin to go with Freya as well. Fantastic. Um, it sounds like um, the Pilates Foundation needs to get a, a group of enthusiasts to, to visit Berlin. Well, yeah, we could do that. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to lead a group out there where we could do, you know, if we could hire a studio, we could have a couple of days in the studio, movement work, anatomy and movement, and then some time around Freya, because she, you know, even a day sometimes wouldn't be long enough, but we could break that with a tour around the rest of the body worlds. And it's just getting people to see differently, because once they see differently, their, their vision shifts, the language starts changing, and then their teaching perspective shifts as well. Yeah, this internal landscape. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting. Always exciting. <laughs> Thank you for your time, Gary. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Gary Carter has a long-standing relationship with the Pilates Foundation. His next online workshop for the PEF is Friday, the 4th of November, 2022. For more details and to book, please go to the PEF website. Many Pilates Foundation teachers have continued to develop their knowledge by attending Gary Carter's year-long anatomy, movement, and fascia courses. If you are interested in his courses, please visit Gary's website, naturalbodies.co.uk, for more information. You have been listening to the Curious Body Podcast.